Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Okay, are you ready for the Word of God? Come on, this message is called True or False? And our main scripture for the evening is from Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 27. And uh, what we find here is Jesus talking to the 12, his disciples, his followers. These were 12 young men who had walked away from their lives, whatever they had going on, to follow Jesus as their teacher whilst he was here on the earth. And in this passage that we're about to read, he is predicting to them that he is going to die. And uh, he tells them straight up that the Son of Man, referring to himself, is going to be killed and then on the third day raised to life. So we'll pick up in verse 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. A little while ago, I was uh, reading in a secluded spot on the beach, um, very much enjoying the peace and quiet and the silence, when a mum and her three kids came along and joined me and set up shop like a a couple of metres beside me. And uh, there were three very, very cute kids. They looked uh, between the ages of like three and eight, maybe. Um, Very cute. And swimming did not appear to be on their agenda that day. I couldn't see any uh, bathing suits, but they were dressed to impress. Right, so like the, they were all colour coordinated and matching. The little boy had a hat on that matched the, the dresses of the girls and their sandals matched his shirt and it was just, they looked straight out of like a country road kids ad. And uh, mum, she set up the spot, the rug, the umbrella and then she proceeded to try and stage her kids in front of the water to get a photo of them. Now, as anyone who has spent any length of time with kids uh, would know, sometimes this can be a little bit of a challenging task. You know, one kid is distracted because there's a shell over there that's caught the light. Another kid's a bit upset. She doesn't want to smile because the sun's in her eyes. The little one's crying. It's all happening. And I really admired this mum's tenacity and like making this happen. She's like chasing this one down, coaxing this one, soothing this one. I think it was maybe 10 minutes of hard work, um, but she finally got the photo. And uh, I'm sure it was lovely to look out from where I was sitting. It was a very cute little picture. But as soon as that perfect shot was achieved, the kids lost all of mum's attention. So she sat down in the spot that they had set up and she was glued to her phone. I don't know, maybe she was editing the photo, maybe she was posting it. Um, But the kids were left to their own devices to play. And I was just watching as all three of them would like periodically come back to their mum and try and show her something like, Mum, Mum, come, look at what I'm doing. Come, look at what I found. I want to show you something. And she just couldn't be less interested. So each time she'd like, look up, make sure they're safe, everyone's alive, it's okay. But then she would get right back to her phone. And as I was sitting a few metres away watching this, my first thought was straight pride, pride, thinking, "Mm, well, if I ever happen to end up being a mum, I better be intentional to make sure that I enjoy beach day with my kids and not just photos of beach day with my kids. Um, But yeah, straight up, 
straight up arrogance and ignorance. I know that it's not that simple. Um, but that was my first reaction. But the longer I sat there, I kind of started to realise that the situation that I was observing, it could have very well been a mirror because it was actually a pretty good reflection of myself. I was drawing this conclusion, uh, which, I, and I have to stipulate, I don't know if this conclusion was accurate, I don't know what was going on in that mum's mind, but I was drawing this conclusion that it was more important to this mum how her kids were seen that day than her experience with them. But I wasn't considering the fact that this is a trap that I am very much inclined to fall into as well. What do I mean? So I don't have kids, but... Pick any day from my life and I will most likely be able to pinpoint an example where I have been more preoccupied with how I present to you than who I actually am. Where I am living out of this curated version of myself driven by the pursuit of your approval of me. It's like when I do something kind for someone solely because I want them to think that I'm a kind person. Not because I actually have the selfless desire to be kind to them driven by the pursuit of my reputation over the pursuit of my character. Or where I am reading and learning something the whole time, thinking about how I'm going to be able to use that knowledge to help somebody else, instead of just reading or learning, because I can benefit from more understanding. Driven by the pursuit of my perceived knowledge, rather than the pursuit of my actual understanding. Or when I spend time with someone only semi-present in the conversation because I'm more concerned with how that catch-up is going to look on social media later than with the actual conversation and the interaction itself. Driven by, people's, driven by the pursuit of people's perception of my friendship rather than the friendship itself, right? And I think the thing is, church, that I'm probably not the only one. I don't think it's just me. I don't think it's just that mum on the beach. I'm pretty sure that sometimes that can be you as well. For example, have you ever given like this great spiel about your career trajectory, your goals, your dreams, your plans to someone, but then go home and struggle to fall asleep because you're so anxious about where your life is headed? What was driving you? Or have you ever posted something, maybe you looked really good, and then you just spent the rest of the day checking your phone incessantly, just waiting for the affirmation to start coming through in the form of comments? Or have you ever given someone a compliment that you very much did not mean just because it felt like that was the socially appropriate thing to do in the moment? What was driving that? Have you ever found yourself putting a spin on the state of your life to make it sound better to someone that you don't even really know, shouldn't be affected by what they think, but you just have to make yourself sound better than you really are? Or have you ever found yourself behaving like this person's opinion, that person's opinion of you is more definitive to who you really are than God's opinion in your life, right? That was a lot of examples, but I wanted to include, incorporate everyone. <laughs> this, um, this mode of operation is one that we're all familiar with. It is actually weaved throughout scripture as well under a number of different kind of terms and names. And it's something that theologians often call the false self. The false self. The monk Thomas Merton once said, every one of us is shadowed by an illusory person, a false self. Illusory meaning it's not real, it's an illusion. And the false self is an identity that we all carry that is born from fear. Fear, from, fear of rejection or abandonment or failure, whatever. And our false self causes us to live in pursuit of approval and affirmation from anything and anyone but God. 
Now, everyone on the earth agrees that the world is broken, right? There is nobody arguing or disagreeing about that. But where we differ is in our ideas as to what we can attribute that brokenness to and how we can fix it. The Christian belief system says it teaches us that there is brokenness in us, that comes from us. It says that we have sinful hearts and our sinful hearts deep down, they know that we are broken. 1 John 1.8 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so knowing that we are broken, we spend our lives living out of the false self, or as John Tyson puts it, trying to flourish apart from God and hiding our weaknesses. Brennan Manning says, living out of the false self creates a compulsive desire to present a perfect image to the public so that everybody will admire us and nobody will know us. I've never been able to forget this, though I have tried many times over the years, but uh, once when I was a teenager, I was so insecure that I made my sister Sammy throw me a surprise birthday party that I actually knew all about and had controlled every aspect of it. I just had to get in front of the situation in case the people in my world didn't make my birthday what I wanted it to be and I ended up disappointed. So I like acted surprised and everything and I'm not good at acting. Um, That was my false self coming out in a big way. We actually swore that we would never speak of that again a few years ago, but now I've come and told all of you. It's it's all right. Church is family. Please don't tell anyone else. We all have this stuff going on inside of us and it actually started all the way back in the Garden of Eden at the beginning of the narrative of Scripture. It's not a me thing or a you thing, it's a human thing. God created this beautiful world from love and for love, well, a beautiful world, so that he could exist in relationship with us, with humanity. The first humans that he made, they were Adam and Eve. And God tasked them with ruling creation, and so they have a job to do. They're living in bliss. Everything is wonderful. And God only asked one thing of them, that they did not eat the fruit of just one of the trees in the garden. And yet they were deceived into eating it by the serpent or Satan, and they rejected God's way for their own way. And now there is sin in them, since them, in every single one of us, and there is brokenness in the physical world around us. Because that story wasn't about a piece of fruit, right? It was about authority and will and uh, who's going to be in charge. And so this is where we find ourselves now. Incredibly unhelpfully, our culture really celebrates the false self. So many of the people that we would all collectively say are the most successful, the most wealthy, the most famous in the world, the people who have all the accolades, all the attention that have made it, are often the people who go home after the concert or the premiere or the press conference and find themselves depressed and anxious and lonely and addicted. And so often we read about their premature deaths in the news. We know that this is a pattern and yet what culture seems to value never really changes. Now, we may not be world-famous billionaires gathered in Joondalup tonight, but perhaps on a slightly smaller scale, we can identify with this too, the ticking the boxes in life, achieving things, gaining stuff, accruing experiences, gaining people and relationships even, and then realising that none of it can fix what is broken deep in here. But we cannot find the answer to that around us because our culture is just obsessed with this superficial change where we're all like trying to do better and be better and better ourselves on social media and make sure that everybody knows that we're a good person, but often nothing actually changes in the core of who we are. Enter Jesus. 
Jesus is the only one who sees us for who we truly are right down to our core and rather than rejecting us or condemning us, loves us with a self-sacrificing love. This is a steadfast suffering. I will lay down my life for you, love, even though he has known about all of our flaws and all of our brokenness since the beginning. It's beautiful. How does he do this? So we, we go back to the world that, that we left, left off with. God made it from love. We chose to reject him. We reject his rule and now we've ended up broken on the inside in a world that's broken on the outside and sin has corrupted everything. The response of Jesus, who is God, was to become a human being just like you and I, God in the flesh. He took on our nature. He lived a perfect life. Jesus had plenty of opportunities to sin just as you and I did. He never did. In um, the book of Luke, Satan appears to Jesus and kind of like appeals to a false self. He tells Jesus he'll give him all the material things in the world if he would just disobey God. But Jesus was resolute. And so he was perfect and he chose the crucifixion because his perfection means that he was worthy of dying in our place as a sacrifice for us. On the cross, he took all of our sin upon himself. He was punished in our place. He died. Three days later, he resurrected. And because of his resurrection, his perfection and his righteousness have now been given to us as a gift. So now our life is that we can walk around as if we had never sinned as if we aren't going to sin again, as if there is nothing broken deep within us and we are invited into a life in which we can partner with God in bringing his restoration to the world. We can live out of a new self or our true self because of Jesus. So this is the good news of the gospel. You were forming a false self and a false identity before your brain even had the capacity to understand what the words false and self mean. And so was I. And you have sin running deep in your DNA, and so do I. But because of Jesus, salvation and life and restoration, living out of a new, true self and identity is available to us. Amen? Amen. So back to our scripture, Luke 9, 23 to 25. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Now, when Jesus said this to his disciples, they all understood what he meant contextually in a way that we don't automatically. So in that, in that Roman world, crucifixion, it was the most awful form of death. And it was considered too awful and terrible to even be referred to in just normal conversation. So even though it was a common thing, people didn't talk about it because it was too uncouth. And everybody knew that take up your cross didn't just mean like carry some wood around. It meant that you were going to take up a, a cross and then die on that cross. Because in that time, people who were being crucified were made to carry their own cross to their own execution. And that was a one-way journey. They were not coming back. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying die voluntarily. Die to your false self. Crucify it. Now that sounds a bit hectic, but it is good news. Why is it good news? Our culture is telling us to find ourselves, discover ourselves, be true to ourselves, but often what we end up finding is a false self that does not serve us in any way. Jesus tells us to die to our false self so that our true self, the self that God has called and created us to be, can live and flourish and thrive. Amen? 
Jesus is saying, if you lose your life for me, you will gain your actual life because fulfillment is not found in self-help or self-gratification, but in Christ. Jesus is saying, yourself is of great value, of irreplaceable value. Why would you want to trade that for a false version? Jesus is saying, people who live out of their truth self by denying their false self are the happiest people, the most fulfilled people, because their metric for success is not just everything that the world is demanding, but the way that they are changed and transformed to become more like him. It is completely countercultural and so compelling. The validation that you need, the affirmation that you desire, the love that you crave, it is all found in Jesus and he will make you into who you were actually always meant to be. It's the thing the world tries to offer us but can never deliver on. You can't find that in yourself, you can't find that anywhere else, you can only find it in him. Hannah Whittle Smith once said, the greatest burden we have to carry in life is self. The most difficult thing we have to manage is self. In laying off your burdens, therefore, the first one you must get rid of is yourself. You must hand over yourself, over to the care and keeping of your God. He made you and therefore he understands you and knows how to manage you and you must trust him to do it. We just have to trust him to do it. So what does living as the true self look like? A few scriptures. Ephesians 4, to 24 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self or false self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self or true self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I mentioned before how our culture is infatuated with superficial change, making it look like we're growing and changing and bettering ourselves, but nothing ever really happens. Well, God wants to actually change you from the inside out. He wants to make you healed and whole from the inside out. He wants to rewire your neural pathway so that you instinctively glorify him. There is nothing superficial about that. It is not just like trying to be a nicer person, giving a bit more to charity here and there. He wants to give you new life, resurrection life. God's vision for our lives is always going to be better than our own version because he wants to make us more like him. It's incredible. He wants to take all of our stuff and our mess and replace it with his holiness and his righteousness. That is the invitation here for us tonight and really every day. So what we'll do now is just compare a few thoughts on how the false self lives and the true self lives, which is not an exhaustive list, but it's going to kind of practically help us tie all of these thoughts together tonight. Like, What does it mean for us? What does it look like? So number one, the false self pretends. Brennan Manning again on the false self, my image must be preserved at all costs. The false self is preoccupied with acceptance and approval. Because of its suffocating need to please others, it cannot say no with the same confidence with which it says yes. Is that anybody else? That is me. And so it overextends itself in people, projects and causes, not motivated by personal commitment, but by the fear of not living up to others' expectations. The life of the false self is a facade. 
it's a life of doing this, that, the other, running around because of our broken compulsions, spending the day performing to people and then coming home drained, tired, weary. It's a life that produces weariness and bitterness and resentment within us. But conversely, the true self presents to God for healing. There is nothing in us that God cannot heal. Nothing. Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. And often we see miraculous healings happen right here. And in fact, if you need one, come and see us after. We would love to pray with you. Uh, but part of, another part of life with God is also showing up every day for the times when healing is a process. Our part is to bring ourselves to him consistently. Our thinking, our reacting, our coping mechanisms, our compulsions. Often we think healing and we go straight to physical body, which healing is absolutely for our physical bodies. But it's also for the emotional and mental and spiritual and social and intellectual components of ourselves. But church, whatever is denied can never be healed. Whatever is denied can never be healed. We have to bring our brokenness and our awareness and invite God's healing into our hearts and minds and lives every day. And he will free us from living as the false self. Number two, the false self is consumed with the material. We talked a little bit before about how Satan tempted Jesus with all of the material stuff in the world. Manning again, the false self buys into outside experiences to furnish a personal source of meaning. Another adventure, anyone? The pursuit of money, power, glamour, recognition and status enhance one's self-importance and create the illusion of success, clothing with a false glitter what is least substantial and turning away from what is real. The false self causes us to live in a world of delusion. See, this is the thing. If Jesus is Lord of the world, then that means that the way culture operates is not actually reality. Rather, what Jesus says in his word is reality. So that means that success as defined by this culture is not actually success in reality. What did Jesus say? Jesus said the blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted. The false self gets caught up with the material parts of this life, forgetting that actually what Jesus said is the truth. So in the end, what he said was important will be what is important. Now, that doesn't mean that material things can't be used for good and for God, because of course they can. But our focus should never be on what we have or what we achieve, but on what we do with what we have and what we achieve. And conversely, the true self is consumed with the eternal. Are you tracking with me tonight? Okay, great. 2 Corinthians 4.18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So what is eternal? Remember our examples from the beginning. Kindness, because that is what Jesus calls us to, not just because it makes us look good. Motive. Spending time with people and being present with them as someone made in the image of God with great value, regardless of if anyone sees your post about it or cares about your social status. Living freely from anxiety in your career because your confidence is in that whatever happens, you just show up every day to glorify God, empowered by the Holy Spirit to love others, and the rest is up to Him. Not needing to embellish the state of your life to new people you meet because your confidence is in Christ and you're putting Him first. 
knowing in your core that it is God's definition of who you are that defines you, not the opinions of anybody else. These things are eternal. Salvation is eternal. Life with God is eternal. People are eternal. And you are eternal. Number three, the false self pursues what it wants. The false self seeks whatever we think we need to be happy. Now, this is different for everyone, but it's also just kind of not that different because we're all kind of the same. Pleasure, success as we might define it, notoriety, anything and everything but God himself, really. And in seeking to serve ourselves, we miss the whole point because as Ignatius of Loyola said, sin is my unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. We gain our life in losing it. Conversely, the true self pursues what it knows it needs. Matthew 6, 31 to 33. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. The true self seeks the kingdom of God, seeks Jesus, seeks to partner with him in whatever he's doing in this situation over here or that situation over there, that person's life that you know or your current place of work, your current topic of study. It pursues holiness and righteousness, not by its own strength, but by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. God knows what we need and he's also more than happy to give us what we want. He just loves to shape and transform us so that we want the same things as him as he's giving them to us. That is abundant life. Number four, and we are wrapping up. The band can join me if they would. The true self denies the false self. Now I realize this point is stating the obvious just a little bit, but it's worth saying mostly because conversely, the false self denies Jesus. Meaning if we do not deny ourselves, we will deny Jesus. In Matthew's account of, the main script, of our main scripture tonight where Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going to die and that they need to take up their cross and follow him, Peter rebuked him, which was odd for a follower to do to their rabbi. In Matthew 16, it says he pulled Jesus aside, much like perhaps, much like we kind of do when we're not wanting to embarrass someone in front of the group, just come over here. And he told him, no, this will not happen to you. And Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, which is intense. But there was something in Peter's sense of self, and fair enough, because I get it, that could not accept that this would happen. Surely this cannot be the way. Surely Jesus is not going to die and be crucified. But the crucifixion was part of God's plan to restore the world. And Jesus rebuked the self in Peter that was trying to get in the way of that. If we do not deny our false selves, even in our good intentions, we will end up denying Jesus. If we are not operating out of a total surrender to Him, whatever, whenever, wherever, no matter what, there will come a time when it will not profit us to be associated with Jesus or associated with His church or with His way of doing things. And if He is not our be all and our end all, we will deny Him. So the false self pretends, it's consumed with the material, it pursues what it wants and it denies Jesus. But the true self comes to God for healing, is consumed with the eternal, pursues what it knows it's need, what it needs, in that gets what it wants often and denies the false self. And a life lived out of the true self is available to us in Jesus Christ. 
Church, all of our hope is found in Jesus. We might have been born with this inclination to live out of the false self, but because of Christ, the new self and a true self are available to us. Now, I'm not trying to gloss over this and make it sound easy. It is a big cost to pay to crucify your false self. But as Dallas Willard said, any sacrifice we make on our journey of following Jesus is the bargain of our lives. He made you. He knows you. He knows what is best for you. And He gave His own life so that you could walk in it. I just want to uh, might I encourage you. I know that some of us in this room, probably all of us in this room, have been wounded and hurt and disappointed by life. Maybe by people that we trusted maybe by the church, maybe by people that we trusted in the church. Maybe we feel like we're disappointed with God, but our life is found in the laying of all of that down and coming to Jesus. The healing that you need, the hope that you need, the love, the affirmation, the validation that you need is all found in Him. The invitation is to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and to follow Jesus. It will not be easy, but it is so, so good. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.